All right, Exodus 12, starting in verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Go, select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of, in Egypt, people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but he spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead." This is the word of the Lord. So I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with the movie The Prince of Egypt. Uh, If you haven't seen it, it's an animated version of the Exodus story, and it's actually really good. It's a very well-made movie, and I appreciate that it's well-made. And I'm also actually honestly surprised every time by how relatively faithful it is to the Exodus story, at least in all the, the most significant points. But every time when it gets close to the end, as the Israelites are finally leaving Egypt and you know, it has this big title song and Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey sing the big song and it's, there can be miracles when you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Who knows what miracles you will achieve when you believe. Somehow you will. You will when you believe. Here's a problem with that. If you've read Exodus you know that the Israelites were not stellar examples of faith. God's deliverance actually had nothing to do with the power of their belief. In fact, time after time in the story, we see their unbelief. And so even though the movie gets much of the story right, it doesn't even come close to understanding the real meaning of the story of Exodus. The true meaning of the story is found in this passage that we just read. And this is it. That God rescues his people by giving them shelter under the blood of the Lamb. And God does this for them out of sheer grace. It has nothing to do with Israel's belief or virtue or merit. And that is also, by the way, true for us as well. That God rescues us by giving us shelter under the blood of the Lamb, and he does this also out of pure grace. It has nothing to do with the power of our belief. So this morning we're going to take some time retelling the Exodus story, and specifically I want us to look at each of the characters that we see here in this passage. And I want us to see that our stories, each of our stories, are actually a lot like theirs. Because this is actually our story, too. Just like the Israelites, we need to be rescued. 
Just like the Israelites, our deliverance has nothing to do with the strength of our belief. And finally, just like the Israelites, we also need to find shelter under the blood of the Lamb. So this morning, I have two questions for you then. Just two questions. First of all, do you see your story here? Do you see your story here? And then secondly, are you seeking shelter under the blood of the Lamb? So first character then I want us to look at is the people of Israel. We see that they had become enslaved to the Egyptians. They were oppressed. They were mistreated and abused. And even when Israel continued to grow under these conditions, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, declared that every son that is born to the Hebrews, Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So God's people suffered greatly at the hands of the Egyptians. Awful atrocities were committed against us, more, worse than anything any of us could even imagine. But yet, yet, maybe your life has been filled with suffering and pain and difficulty. Maybe you feel some connection and empathy with the oppression and the pain of the Israelites. Do you see your own story here? There are many evils in the world, after all, that do oppress and enslave us. The greatest oppressor of all that we face is death. It is a great scourge that sin has brought into the world, and it has left many of us broken and confused and even enslaved to our grief and to our sorrow. Slavery, literal, real slavery, tragically still exists in much of the world, even I would hazard a guess here in our own city. The victims of the slave trade have been wounded and traumatized, and oppressed in ways that we cannot imagine. Often, everyday children are also beaten, abused, and neglected, oppressed by those who, can't, who were supposed to be the ones taking care of them. Another oppressor is poverty, even here in America. Poverty is an oppressive master who is not easily left behind or overcome. Also, substance addiction can enslave the minds and even the souls This happens to millions of people around us that we see every day, whether it be to alcohol or drugs or gambling or even pornography. Have you been enslaved to any of these things? Do you find yourself oppressed and in bondage this morning? Maybe you feel trapped and you have no category to even conceive of a God who might love you, who might care about you because you've cried too many unanswered cries, you've prayed too many unanswered prayers, and on top of that, you've messed up too many times. So what would God want to do with you, even if he is there? In your own eyes, you're broken, you're trash. You think you deserve no better than what you have received. So why would God be interested in you? But we see here that God does care about the cries of the oppressed and the broken. He hears the prayers of the desperate. He cares deeply about the poor. And he offers us a place of safety. He offers a place of shelter, a place of healing and restoration and hope. And that place is found under the blood of the Lamb. Second character we see is Moses. And when God called to Moses out of the burning bush, Moses was actually already 80 years old. And even though he'd been rescued as a baby and he'd grown up as an Egyptian prince, he'd had to run away 
when he killed an Egyptian. He was trying to protect one of his own countrymen, and he'd settled in the land of Midian. There he'd gotten married. He had children. He had a family. He was effectively removed. He was cut off from the people of Israel. It's actually reasonable to think that if God hadn't called him, it's likely Moses wouldn't have ever gone back or had anything to do with the people of Israel ever again. He was jaded and hardened and bitter. And later on, we also see time and again that Moses gets angry with his people and he lashes out at them repeatedly. So does that sound something that, like, like what you might relate to? Have you been hurt? Have you been disappointed so many times that you've become jaded and angry? Are you bitter towards the people of God and would you rather not have anything to do with them? Do you see your story here? They say that there is wisdom in advancing years, but there can also be bitterness and regret. Marriages sometimes come apart and they can even break. Children might drift away and become estranged as they grow. Betrayal comes often from people we thought were our friends, even from our own family. Bad habits and past indiscretions come back to haunt us and take their toll. Our bodies begin to fail and hurt and not cooperate. Even our own minds, sooner or later, can turn against us. As we go through these things, it is easier to dwell on all the things that others have done to us rather than our own mistakes, rather than own up to our own sins. It is easier to be frustrated and angry than to accept how things have changed. It is easier to become jaded and bitter about life than to hold on to the hope of eternity. So maybe you feel this way and you feel like you have no time for nonsense about God and hope and forgiveness. You feel like it's too late now, that there's no way you could ever pay God back for all the wasted years, but God doesn't ask us to pay him back. He doesn't even ask us to clean up first. He just tells us to come and to find shelter where we can be free of the burdens of the past and free of the fears of the future. And that shelter is found under the blood of the Lamb. Next character we see is Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt. And he is, at this period of time, the most powerful person in the world. He was actually venerated as a demigod, treated as the offspring of the sun god Ra. And he and the people of Egypt had enjoyed great prosperity, great wealth and power and influence in the, in the world at that time. And this was all built on the backs of Hebrew slaves. The Egyptians had it all. And they had no reason to change anything. Maybe you're in a similar place. You have a good life. You are prosperous. You are comfortable. And you see no reason to change anything. The Bible, after all, is full of all kinds of unreasonable and archaic laws and requirements that would completely upend your lifestyle and would put your prosperity at risk. So do you see your story here? Contrary to popular thought, the greatest threat to faith is not suffering and persecution. It is actually ease and prosperity. The vast majority of the people in our society see themselves as decent enough people and that they have the right to make their own decisions about how they ought to live and that they also deserve the comforts that they have earned, at least that they think they've earned. And the greatest anxiety of people in our society comes when change threatens our autonomy and our prosperity. 
When such threats arise, we might even look the other way as millions of children are slaughtered to protect our way of life. Or we might even defend the enslavement and oppression of an entire race of people. It would seem that our society then might actually have a lot in common with the Egyptians of Exodus. And perhaps, though, in occasional moments of real honesty, you can actually see through this facade of prosperity and comfort. But when you do that, it scares you too much. It demands too much. And so you go back to the, the, the world of comfort and prosperity. And every time you do, your heart hardens just a little bit more. As you do so, you lose interest in God and religion because you know that it would ruin all the things that you enjoy. It would cost too much. And besides, God wouldn't want anything to do with you because you're a rebel. You like to think for yourself. You love your autonomy. You never want, you, and you think you could never live the kind of life that God wants, so why even bother? But the truth is that God pursues rebels. God gives us something greater than autonomy. God gives us something greater than material wealth and prosperity. And God softens. God can soften even the hardest of hearts. God even offered Pharaoh the chance to turn and repent and to do the right thing. But he would not listen. But God offers us a place of repentance, a place of peace, a place where we can find greater prosperity, greater happiness. And that place is found under the blood of the Lamb. Next character we see, again, going back to the Israelites, and that's because the Israelites aren't just victims in this story, they're also offenders. Time after time, we see the Israelites resist Moses and question him. Even as Moses is calling down these plagues on the Egyptian, and even after their deliverance, as they're standing by the Red Sea, looking at the Egyptian army coming after them, the Israelites turn against Moses, and they say this, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Time after time after time, they argue and they complain and they doubt God, even though God continually rescues them and protects them. Does this sound familiar to you? Perhaps you consider yourself a Christian, but when push comes to shove, you start to question and to complain and you get angry and frustrated and lash out at God. Why would God do this to me? How could God possibly expect me to handle this? Does he really love me? Do you see your story here? Maybe you go to church and you're actively involved there. You love Jesus. You acknowledge that you're a sinner and you need a savior. But there are things, maybe, that you would be appalled if any of your Christian friends ever found out. Maybe there was one bad decision you made during a rough patch a few years ago. Or maybe uh, you've you don't want them to know how you and your spouse have been growing distant lately. Or maybe you, you can't stand, you don't want us to know how you can't stand your unsaved neighbors. Maybe you're afraid people will find out how much you're afraid that your children don't respect you or listen to you. And on top of that, there's just hard times when you honestly feel like God is not 
fair. You feel like he's not fair, and you wonder if God really has your best in mind, and you struggle to understand why couldn't God just make life easier? Why can't it be less complicated? And sometimes you even question if God really is good. But God knows all these things that we try to hide. God knows it all. He sees right through it, and he sees into our hearts and into our minds, and he knows our fears and our doubts. He knows our frustrations, and he isn't shocked. He's not shocked by how quickly we turn against him when things don't go our way. He isn't surprised by how hard-hearted and how stubborn we can be. He knows our weaknesses, but here's the thing. He's not repelled by them. He doesn't shun us. He doesn't send us away, but he summons us. He invites us to come and find shelter. He tells us to drop the charade, to come and be honest with him, to embrace him, and to let him embrace us as our Father. And the place where we can do that, the place where we can come and be at peace with him and enjoy that fellowship with him is under the blood of the Lamb. And there's just one more character we want us us to see. So on the night of the Passover, the children, children in each house were were supposed to ask a very important question. They said, what do you mean by this service? Or in other words, what in the world is going on? So it's important to see the value that God places on children here. He actually gives them an opportunity for their voice to be heard. That's huge. That is very significant, especially in the ancient world where children were not quite fully regarded as people yet. They were to be seen and not heard, or better yet, just not seen at all. They were regarded as a necessity for the continuation of the family name or for our society. But they were really just an inconvenience and an expense. And that was supposed to be different among the people of Israel because their children were heirs of the promise and of the covenant. They were a blessing from God made in his image. But the fact is reality didn't always match up with this ideal. And is that something we can see happening today? After all, our culture on the one hand idolizes childhood and it tells children that they're all winners. They should pursue their dreams because they can change the world. But on the other hand, by and large, children are often ignored and they're treated as an inconvenience and an expense. Children, after all, get in the way of our careers, of our hobbies, or of whatever game we want to watch, or of whatever show we want to binge. Children are seen as a drain on our resources on our money, on our time, and on our energy. And after all, if it just so happens they have, and they haven't been born yet, we can just avoid all that trouble. God's people are called to be different in how we treat our children because they are made in God's image. They are members of the covenant community. They are heirs of the promise, and God gives them a voice among us. There is a place for them to speak and voice their questions. Do we always do that? And since our children are here with us, this is our children's service today, I want to ask the kids. Kids, do you see your story here? It's okay. 
Honestly, if you don't understand why you come to church with your family, it's okay if you don't understand. Maybe you have questions because you do want to understand. And you know that you're expected to behave yourself, but you just want to know what's going on. Well, you need to know that God welcomes your questions. He wants to hear them. And he wants us to hear them too. And God is patient when it is hard for you to behave. God wants you to talk to your parents and he wants you to talk to us and ask about why we go to church and what we do here and what it all means. And if you're still confused about what it means and why we're here, why do we come to church, I want to tell you, this is why. Okay, kids? This is why we come to church. Because God wants us to come under the blood of the Lamb. God wants you to come under the blood of the Lamb because that is where you will be safe. That's where you're going to be safe. So why do we need to go somewhere safe? Why is it that we need to find shelter? It's hard to admit, but it's, it's a truth that we see in the Scripture, we see in this story, that the wrath of God is coming. God came to Egypt to punish them for enslaving and oppressing his people and also for the mass murder of Israelite children. But God doesn't actually just give his people a free pass. Did you notice that as we read? The Israelites don't get a free pass. He says, he does not say, wait here while I go judge the Egyptians over there and you're going to be safe. No, he says, kill a lamb, put the blood on your doors so that you don't die too. And whatever you do, do not, under any circumstances, leave your house. Because if you do, you will die. Why does God do that? God does this because no one is innocent. Nobody is innocent. When God's judgment comes, nobody escapes because all of us have sinned. And so no matter what your story is, no matter where you see yourself in the story, you cannot avoid God's justice. None of us can. But God, in his mercy and in his grace, provides us shelter. And he gave the Israelites the blood of lambs, and he has also given to us the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And when Jesus was on earth and he celebrated the Passover with his disciples, he said, this is my body and this is my blood. Jesus makes a clear link between himself and the Passover lamb. And so the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus are our shelter. They are our place of safety. They are where we can come and be protected from the justice and the wrath of God. And so this morning, God is inviting you to come and find shelter there. And maybe this is not news to you anymore. Perhaps you feel like you've heard this about a million times. Maybe even like me, you've heard it your whole life. And you even struggle sometimes to feel excited, to feel appreciative and grateful for all Jesus has done in providing shelter for you. Or maybe your story is just completely different and none of the stories that I shared today connect with you at all. But nevertheless, I still believe 
that no matter who you are, no matter what your story is, this story is yours. And the story is mine. And so, this is our story. And I want to ask you again, will you come and take shelter under the blood of the Lamb? Let's pray.